Book Two, Chapter Fifteen of *The Leopard's Spots* by Thomas Dixon Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Book Two, *Love's Dream*, Chapter Fifteen: A Blow in the Dark. The noon mail brought Gaston no answer. At night, he felt sure it would come. When the wagon dashed up to the post office that night, it was fifteen minutes late. He was walking up and down the street on the opposite pavement along the square, keeping under the shadows of the trees. He turned, quickly crossed the street, and stood inside the office, listening with a feeling of strange abstraction to the tramp of the postmaster's feet back and forth as he distributed the mail. He never knew before what a tragedy might be concealed in the thrust of a bit of folded paper into a tiny glass-eyed box as he waited fearing to face his fate he remembered the pathetic figure of a gray-haired old man who stood there one day hanging on that desk softly talking to himself he was a stranger at the springs and they were alone in the office together now and then he brushed a tear from his eyes glanced timidly at the window of the general delivery starting at every quick movement inside as though afraid the window had opened gaston had gone up close to the old man drawn by the look of anguish in his dignified face the stranger intuitively recognized the sympathy of the movement and explained tremblingly my son i am waiting for a message of life or death he faltered seized his hand adding and i'm afraid to see it just then the window opened and he clutched his arm and gasped with dilated staring eyes there there it's come you go for me my son and ask while i pray I'm afraid. How well Gaston remembered now with what trembling eagerness the old man had broken the seal and then stood with head bowed low, crying. I thank and bless thee, O mother of Jesus, for this hour. And looking up into his face with tear-streaming eyes, he cried in a rich, low voice like tender music, How beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings! He could feel now the warm pressure of his hand as he walked out of the office with him. How vividly the whole scene came rushing over him. He thought he sympathized with his old friend that night, but now he entered into the fellowship of his sorrow. Now he knew. At last he drew himself up, walked to his box, and opened it. His heart leaped. A big square-cut envelope lay in it, addressed to him in her own beautiful hand. He snatched it out and hurried to his office. The moment he touched it, his heart sank. It was light and thin. Evidently there was but a single sheet of paper within. He tore it open and stared at it with parted lips and half-seeing eyes. The first word struck his soul with a deadly chill. This is what he read. My dear Mr. Gaston, I write in obedience to the wishes of my parents to say that our engagement must end and our correspondence cease. I cannot explain to you the reasons for this. I have acquiesced in their judgment that it is best. I return your letters by tomorrow's mail, and Mama requests that you return mine to her at Oakwood immediately. I leave tonight on the Limited for Atlanta, where I join a friend. We go to Savannah, and thence by steamer to Boston, where I shall visit Helen for a month. Sincerely, Sally Worth. For a long time he looked at the letter in a stupor of amazement. That her father could coerce her hand into writing such a brutal, commonplace note was a revelation of his power he had never dreamed. 
and then his anger began to rise his fighting blood from soldier ancestors made his nerves tingle at this challenge he took up the letter and read it again curiously studying each word he opened the folded sheet hoping to find some detached message there was nothing inside but he noticed on the other side of the sheet a lot of indentures as though made by the end of a needle he turned it back and studied these dots under different letters in the words made by the needle points he spelled my darling unto the utmost and then he covered the note with kisses sprang to his feet and looked at his watch it was now ten thirty the limited left independence at eleven o'clock and made no stops for the first hundred miles toward atlanta but just to the south where the railroad skirted the foot of the king's mountain there was a water tank on the mountainside where he knew the train stopped for water about midnight with a fast horse he could make the eighteen miles and board the limited at this water station the only danger was if the sky should cloud over and the starlight be lost it would be difficult to keep in the narrow road that wound over the semi-mountainous hills densely wooded that must be crossed to make it i'll try it he exclaimed yes i will do it he added setting his teeth i'll make that train he got the best horse he could find in the livery stable saw that the saddle girths were strong sprang on and galloped toward the south it was a quarter to eleven when he started and it seemed a doubtful undertaking the limited would make the run from independence fifty-two miles in an hour at most if she were on time it would be a close shave for him to make the eighteen miles the sky clouded slightly before he reached the mountain in spite of his vigilance he lost his way and had gone a quarter of a mile before a rift in the cloud showed him the north star suddenly and he found he had taken the wrong road at the crossing and was going straight back home wheeling his horse he put spurs to him and dashed at full speed back through the dense woods just as he got within a mile of the tank he heard the train blow for the bridge crossing at the river near him now my boy he cried to his horse patting him now your level best the horse responded with a spurt of desperate speed he had a way of handling a horse that the animal responded to with almost human sympathy and intelligence he seemed to breathe his own will into the horse's spirit he flew over the ground and reached the train just as the fireman cut off the water and the engineer tapped his bell to start he flung his horse's rein over a hitching post that stood near the silent little station house rushed to the track and sprang on the day coach as it passed he had intended to ride fifty miles on this train see his sweetheart face to face learn the truth from her own lips and then return on the up train he hoped to ride back to hambright before day and keep the fact of his trip a secret now a new difficulty arose a very simple one that he had not thought of for a moment she was in a pullman sleeper of course and asleep there were three sleepers one for atlanta one for new orleans and one for memphis he hoped she was in the atlanta sleeper as that was her destination though if that were crowded in its lower berths she might be in either of the others but how under heaven could he locate her the porter probably would not know her he was puzzled the conductor approached and he paid his fare to the next stop fifty miles i've an important message for a passenger in one of these sleepers captain i have ridden across the mountains to catch the train here all right sir said the genial conductor go right in and deliver it you look like you had a tussle to get here it was a close shave gaston replied he stepped into the atlanta sleeper and encountered the dusky potentate who presided over its aisles the porter looked up from the shoes he was shining at gaston's disheveled hair and gave him no welcome 
gaston dropped a half dollar into his hand and the porter dropped the shoes and grinned a royal welcome anything i can do for you boss got any ladies on your car yassir three on em young or old one youngin and two oldins did the young lady get on at independence yassir going to atlanta yassir is she very beautiful boss she's the prettiest young lady i ever laid eyes on but looked like she'd been crying then i want you to wake her i must see her lordy boss i can't do dat hit again the rules but i'm bound to see her i've ridden eighteen miles across the mountains and scratched my face all to pieces rushing through those woods i've a message of the utmost importance for her can't do it boss hit again the rules but you can go wake her yourself if you's remind her i can't keep you from it she's dying number seven gaston hesitated no you must wake her he insisted dropping another half dollar in the porter's hand the porter got up with a grin he felt he must rise to the great occasion well i just fumble round to berth and maybe she wake herself and then i tell her just then the electric bell overhead rang and the index pointed to seven there now dat's her calling me show he approached the berth what can i do for you ma'am he whispered porter who is that you're talking to it sounds like someone i know yes'm hit's young gent named gaston jump on board at the water station he say he got potent message for you tell him i will see him in a moment the porter returned with the message you just wait in dire in number one he's not made up till she come he added there was the soft rustle of a dressing gown he sprang to his feet clasped her hand passionately kissed it and silently she took her seat by his side he still held her hand and she pressed his gently in response he saw that she was crying and his heart was too full for words for a moment he looked long and wistfully in her face in her disheveled hair by the dim light of the car he thought her more beautiful than ever at last she brushed the tears from her eyes and turned her face full on his with a sad smile my own dear love she sobbed i prayed that i might see you somehow before i left i was wide awake when i first heard the distant murmur of your voice oh i am so glad you came and she pressed his hand i got your letter at ten-thirty oh that awful letter how i cried over it papa made me write it and read and mailed it himself but you saw my message between the lines yes and then i covered it with kisses but what is the cause of this sudden change of the general toward me what have i done please don't ask me i can't tell you she sobbed lowering her face a moment to his hand and kissing it don't ask me but my dear i must know there can be no secrets between us my lips will never tell you there have been a thousand slanders breathed against you i met them with fury and scorn and no one has dared repeat them in my hearing i would not pollute my lips by repeating one of them but who is their author i cannot tell you i promised mamma i wouldn't she loves you and she is on our side but said it was best papa has made up his mind to break our engagement forever and i defied him we had a scene i didn't know i had the strength of will that came to me i said some terrible things to him and he said some cruel things to me poor mamma was prostrated 
her heart is weak and i only yielded at last as far as i have because of her tears and suffering i could not endure her pleadings so i promised to do as he wished for the present leave for boston and cease to write to you my love i must know my enemy to meet him and face the issues he raises i cannot be strangled in the dark like this you will find it out soon enough i cannot tell you she repeated i only ask you to trust me in this the darkest hour that has ever come to my life you will trust me will you not dear she pleaded i have trusted you with my immortal soul you know this yes yes dear i do then you can love and trust me without a letter or a word between us until mamma is better and i can get her consent to write to you oh i never knew how tenderly and desperately i love you until this shadow came over our lives no power shall ever separate us when the final test comes unless you shall grow weary do not say that he interrupted i love you with a love that has brought me out of the shadows and shown me the face of god death shall not bring weariness but i dread with a sickening fear the efforts they will make to plunge you into the whirl of frivolous society i shall be a lonely beggar a thousand miles away with not one friendly face near you to plead my cause hush she broke in upon him you are for me the one living presence you are always near oh so near closer than breathing the roar of the train became sonorous with the vibration of a great bridge he started and looked at his watch we're more than halfway to the stop where i must leave you and return how long have you been here over a half hour it does not seem two minutes only a few minutes more face to face and all life crowding for utterance how can i choose what to say when my tongue only desires to say i love you bend near and whisper to me again your love vow he cried in trembling accents close to his ear she placed her lips holding fast his hand whispering again and again my own dear love unto the uttermost in life in death forever he bent again and pressed his lips on her hand and she felt the hot tears and now love comes the hardest thing of all she sobbed i must return to you my ring for god's sake keep it he pleaded no i promised mamma for peace sake i would return it she is very weak i could not dare to hurt her now with a broken promise she may not live long i could never forgive myself keep it for me dear until i can wear it she placed it in his hand and it burnt like a red-hot coal he placed it in an inside pocket next to his heart it felt like a huge millstone crushing him a lump rose in his throat and choked him until he gasped for breath she looked at him pathetically and saw his anguish come my love she pleaded reproachfully you must not make it harder for me you are a man you are stronger than i am love is more my whole life than it can be yours for this cruel thing i have said and done you may press on my lips another kiss if i am disobedient to my mother's wishes god will forgive me the train blew the long deep call for its hundred mile stop and they both rose he took her hands in his 
you have promised not to write me dear but i have made no promise i will write you as often as i can send you a cheerful message he said it is so sweet of you you have the little love token still he asked yes in my bosom i feel it warm and throbbing with your love and it shall not be taken from me in the grave that thought will cheer the darkest hours that can come and now till we meet again we must say good-bye he said huskily she could make no response he placed his arms around her pressed her close to his heart for a moment one long wistful kiss and he was gone he rode slowly back to hanbright the eastern horizon was fringed with the light of dawn when he reached the town the more he had thought of his position and the way the general had treated him in attempting to settle his fate by a fiat of his own will without a hearing the more it roused his wrath and nerved him for the struggle they were to measure wills in a contest that on his part had life for its stake i'll give the old warrior the fight of his career he muttered as he snapped his square jaw together with the grip of a vice my brains and every power with which nature has endowed me against his will and his money and for the dastard who has slandered me there will be a reckoning he was fighting in the dark but deep down in him he had a soldier's love for a fight his soul rose to meet the challenge of this hidden foe armed in the steel of a proud heritage of courage he went to bed and slept soundly for six hours End of Book 2, Chapter 15